And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. We don't give enough credit to signs, and we really should. That sign over there tells you great French fries. That sign over there tells you this is your exit. And look at that legendary sign. It's the Motel 6 sign. It tells you a great night's rest at a great price. Book online at motel6.com. And use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Look for the signs. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a great price when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letter CP. Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That's a great deal. And that's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. You're listening... Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley as we begin a Friday. Gary, hi. I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm hanging in there. Are you? Yeah, it's a Friday. Yeah? Let's mail it in. Yeah. <laughs> well, if Mayorkas, listen, Gary, uh, I, I I can't tell you that I'm going to mail it in, but I can get that information to you at a later time. I'm going to Mayorkas it in. We, pl- <laughs> we plan to put in as much effort as Mayorkas, as Mayorkas does in doing his job. Did you see that uh, he... Uh, 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 when he testified two days ago, said he doesn't know anything about California sanctuary city laws. Yeah. yeah. In fact, he claimed he doesn't like sanctuary city uh-huh. laws. Sure. And then they said, well, what about in California? He said, I'm not familiar with it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking about. Is California part of the U.S.? I'm not sure. Yeah. What do you, who, who, what is this California? <laughs> I don't know this California. I'm just a caveman, <laughs> Department of Homeland Security <laughs> director. I don't know oh your 50 oh, states. Oh, man. No, that would be wonderful <laughs> if Phil Hartman was still alive and doing Mayorkas. I don't know your borders. Caveman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> caveman. Caveman. Homeland Security, security director. director. Yeah. I'm not familiar with this sanctuary yeah. city law. Yeah. I'm just a caveman. Tell me more about this you know, I, California. I, I realize, and I can't place it, Mayorkas looks like one of the villains Lex, in the... Lex Luthor. Not, okay, Lex Luthor, okay, I understand that, but he yeah. looks even more, and I cannot find the episode of the original Star Trek he looks mm. like one of the villains in the original Star Trek, and I don't. Oh. Yeah, his head's slightly bigger though than the guy <laughs> with the really big head. Is that the one you're talking about? What? Uh, no, no, no. Okay. Well, not, no, not there's because the guy with the real big. 
gonna, okay, the, the guy with the real big head, didn't he have, like, uh, tons of uh, makeup and a mask on and everything else? No, this guy was just... You're telling me Mayorkas doesn't? Is that, <laughs> is that his real face? <laughs> what, what, what did I miss? Now, we got to stop this because... Why? Well, we'll be accused of insulting, uh, uh, you know, his looks instead of going to the substance of the ideas or the lack of the substance of the ideas that he is promoting. <laughs> he, he looks like... <laughs> Okay, I totally, uh, every time I think about the Donald Pleasance character from Bond, which is what Dr. Evil is based on exactly, it's like the carbon copy. Oh my gosh, he's Dr. I Evil. always put Michael Myers' face in it, which is weird because Donald Pleasance was also in Halloween, which had yes. a bad guy named Mike Myers. <laughs> <laughs> huh? That's true. Uh, yeah, you're right. right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. No, it's uh, definitely no, oh no, no. Donald gosh. Pleasance didn't look near as evil as Mayor. See, we could be better writers for SNL than they have right now. Because oh, yeah. I would, you know, I would, I would do that immediately. But you can't bring back. I mean, you can't bring back Caveman. What was it Caveman Lawyer? Oh yeah, yeah. You can't. There's no. There's no way to redo that without Phil Hartman. Yeah, yeah, you can't. We really can't redo that. Um, because uh, who was it? Uh, oh, it was. Um, we just mentioned her the other day. Um, uh, the give me a clue. Give me a clue. Oh, um, she was on oh, Mike I, and Molly. Mike and Molly. Oh, oh, okay. Um, uh, yeah, the. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm just totally blanking Melissa. on her name. McCarthy. Yes. Yeah. Do you know she redid, and I had forgotten this. I think I only saw it once. She redid the Chris Farley character, you know, the van down by the river. No way. On an SNL update episode. No way. She said she nearly, she was so nervous going out on stage, her legs almost gave out because it was such a big task to do because she loved Chris Farley so much that redoing that character, she realized was just a, a, this humongous task. And it's the most nervous she has ever been going out on a live stage. You know, I, I, I saw her being interviewed with Sandra Bullock. Remember they did the movie, the heat. Yeah. I remember yeah, I she, loved that movie. I remember she's a detective and yeah. she's, you know, she's, you know, the the cursing that comes yeah. out of her mouth is unbelievable. Well, the funny thing is, as they were talking about it, Sandra Bullock is the one in real life who curses like a sailor. Yeah. And Melissa McCarthy is exactly the opposite, right, apparently. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. they were playing. <laughs> I love Melissa McCarthy. I, uh, so do I. I, I, I think she's wonderful. I, I, I like the silly comedy. I like I and I got to be honest with you. Uh, well, before Chris Farley. I was not really into the physical comedy with the exception of maybe Lucille Ball. Lucille Ball could really pull it off because she could do facial expressions as a punchline. And other than that, I didn't, you know, the, the whole, uh, you know, I just, the, the physical comedy thing didn't really connect with me until Chris (laughs) Tommy boy, black sheep, it was just, I mean, to me, that was just fall-down funny. 
You know, when Mike and Molly first came out, I just remember, and I just didn't watch, I just don't watch much TV. I'm sleeping, especially during, and I have been over the last 18 years due to this show. Mm -hmm. And so when Mike and Molly first came out, I was just, you know, I just, I don't know if I read reviews on it, but I went, okay, what's it going to be? Just typical fat jokes or whatever, or, or wokeness or what? It was a great show. Yeah. Mike and Molly was a great show. Yeah. Billy Gardot. You see how much weight he's lost? Yeah. Oh, he's lost a ton of weight. But, but I mean, they had, they had some tremendous, uh, character actors, you know, in that. Yeah. And it was, I always, it was, it was, that was a funny show, really. Yeah. And so I saw, I mean, I saw it in syndications. Yeah. But, uh, all right, some updates on the whole Hunter Biden thing. Mm -hmm. And this, I felt like you thought I was going to, I'm actually not making jokes here. Well, no, I, when we, when we, when we left, when we left yesterday, well, it's actually when I got home and I realized, oh, there's updates on this already. The whole thing that it was a wink, wink, nudge, nudge as they were talking about, you know, we're reading, you know, uh, analysis of the the whole hearing uh, yesterday that the um, that the uh, immunity plea uh, was not anywhere in there. It actually was. It was in the uh, diversion part of it, which the judge objected to, because if she approved the plea deal, she couldn't, you know, she you had to take. Because normally, the the uh, immunity yeah. the immunity is not in a diversion agreement. Right. You can't change a diversion agreement. That's outside the court. Right. But you can change uh, the uh, the actual plea deal because there's mm-hmm. two things. There was a plea deal, but the diversion's not a plea deal. So they stuck, which they never do. Right. And the analysis was they were trying to put one over on the judge by putting it in there. But she caught it. All right. She, you yeah. know, she, yeah. she caught that yeah. and just said, you know, what do you, what do you, and that was the part of it because it, it's interesting. And I don't know whether it was, you know, whether people had the wrong transcript in the media that was, that were analyzing that portion of, uh, of it. Cause there wasn't but, a lot of focus on that. No, there wasn't. I didn't see and, any focus on that, that, that day. But what didn't make sense to me was when they were saying, she said, well, wait a minute, I, you know, I have, I have no say in the in the uh, you know the diversion uh, part of it, and that was part of what she was talking okay, about. Okay, well, I remember that. Right. I remember her saying exactly. That. I just didn't know what she was referring to. Yes, and, I had and, not watched that Law and Order, and, <laughs> <laughs> and and so that's that's what happened. They tried to, and the the analysis I saw yesterday is. They tried to slip this by the judge and put it like on oh page 15 wow. of the diversion agreement so she wouldn't see it. But they didn't want to talk about it. They didn't want to. But she they were caught, hoping she wouldn't bring it right. up. She caught it. And the other thing is, and I did wonder why it took the Republicans until the day before to put in the amicus brief that was 900 pages long. And and I was wondering why did they wait so long? And I just didn't know it was nine hundred pages long. Huh. But the judge talked about that and said she didn't get a chance to read it. But it might affect everything based on what the outline was. But she didn't even get a chance to read it. And then I thought to myself, well, why the hell did the Ways and Means Committee wait till the last day, twenty four hours, to give the judge a nine hundred page amicus brief? What in the world's going on there? Well, but, but she mentioned that she knew the outline of it, and 
was very concerned about it, right. but she never right. had to get to that point. She never had to actually read that brief. Yeah, and what I was waiting for was her to bring up the you know the whole switcheroo on the amicus brief and and any concerns there and i guess we may still see some of that but if she hasn't read the whole thing by the way 900 pages is longer than the gop report on benghazi she said yesterday i received uh from third parties a letter with almost 900 pages of attachments uh and a memorandum of law with hundreds of more pages of exhibits uh in the order the judge told the court I have not had time to review the submission. Okay, did it? But here's, I guess, here would be my question: Did it take the GOP that long to put together that amicus brief? Based on everything that they were well, learning, because you don't want to learn, all, you don't want to leave the, anything yeah. out. Yep. I mean, there, everything could be a critical, you know, turn. It could be a critical. Uh, piece of evidence or event that could send a judge in a different direction and you don't want to leave anything out uh she said uh uh even though i have not been able to this is a quote from the judge even though i've not been able to review the third party submissions i do understand that they request that i reject the plea agreement based on information that the filers submit cast doubt on the investigation performed or the charges brought, or both, the brief and the judge's uh, lack of time to review uh, it before the hearing is notable because the original plea did fall apart without the brief's review. The original uh, plea deal fell apart after the judge questioned uh, if it covered future potential charges of the Department of Justice ongoing investigation, and we know that part at uh, at there. But she mm. did say, I was reading another thing where she said, well, this could be pertinent to the case, yeah. so she would have to review all of that. Which mm. now, having a month, she'll she you know to look at it again, she'll be able to view that portion of it. Yeah. So right. just, I just wanted to make sure we updated, mm. you know, uh, uh, that because you know, that's it's important stuff. Yeah. Um, well, uh, especially when you look at that and and how much consideration there might be in the details of the amicus brief. Um, but also, are we to the point that even lawyers believe that judges are stupid? We talk about how liberals believe you're stupid. There was no way that she wasn't going to read the diversion portion of the agreement, right? The judge was always going to read it. Well, how do you not know that? Yeah, it, it, it doesn't it, change anything, well, but it does. It, does, well, it, it doesn't, but it, it, well, actually, it goes to the tactics used, and it goes to the questions we all had. Why did they show up with no agreement? So it actually has a very clear use, and it does, in my opinion, change a lot. The well, question is, Will she give that any consideration going forward, further consideration between now and the next hearing? Well, what I would ask if I was a judge, why did you bury this in the diversion agreement and then claim yeah. that you don't want this immunity exactly. to exist? Right. Well, you, you said there's you're not giving any immunity, but you've got it in writing here. So are you 
you waiting for the the court to stamp this? You lied to the court. You're going to come back later and claim it was a mistake if anybody asks when you were asked about immunity and you said something in court that was different in writing? I mean, that's Hillary Clinton tactic. (laughs) That is more sophisticated than I would ever think that anyone named Biden would be connected with. Interesting yesterday that Corrine Jean-Pierre will have that audio cut coming up where she was asked if the White House would pardon, consider pardoning, excuse Mm -hmm. me, Hunter. No. No. And then they tried to follow up and she just moved on. She interrupted. Well, she interrupted and she said, I said no. Yeah. Wow. There's the first time you've actually answered a question. Congratulations. Well, it Welcome doesn't. Welcome to answering questions it directly. It doesn't mean it's the truth. No. No. Yeah, we, yeah, but, right. but this is what we have been saying. If you're going to lie, just lie. But she is doing that on. Listen, we've already addressed that. But see, the thing is, is that if you give the media lies, they're okay. The mainstream media is okay with the lies. Just give us something that we right. can carry out of the room and take to our readers, listeners, and viewers. We got a great show ahead. 866 Red Eye. On a hot summer day, the last thing you want to feel is a blast of warm air when you turn on your air conditioning. A malfunctioning AC system will leave you uncomfortably shifting in your seat. Not to mention, it can affect the safety and performance of your entire vehicle and your productivity. When issues with your AC system begin to occur internally, your truck will give you some warning signs. Those include a noisy compressor and a lack of water dripping from the cab drain tube while your AC is running. If you experience either of these warning signs, you should have your AC system inspected by a professional technician immediately. Listen to your truck and invest the time now to avoid spending more time in the shop later on. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about... 
how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Front Eye Radio, he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, and somebody found the episode. I'm so glad I brought it up. The, yeah. All right. Of, so uh, of, of uh, Star Trek, it was The Way to Eden. The Way to Eden, and do we know the character's name? Character's name would have been, oh, man, I don't know the, I don't know the character's name, <laughs> but All right. it was the lead character. It was uh, Dr. Severin, I believe, was the character's name. All right. Yeah. So, mm. but uh, I don't even know who the actor is. No, but... the guy looks just like Mayorkas. Yeah, I know. It looks just no, it's, a... it's Mayorkas. Yeah. So, Susan, Susan, uh, thank you, Susan, for coming. Yeah. <laughs> she emailed 1969. Yeah. I don't know why that. Every time wow. I, uh, every time I've seen Mayorkas from the very, I'm like, who does he remind me of? Who does he remind me of? And it was a couple of months ago. I went, I think it was a Star Trek episode. <laughs> and then I started looking through old Star Trek episodes. It's like, no, that's not the one. That's not the one. That's not the one. I shouldn't waste my time trying to use my own brain to do stuff. Just ask the question on the air. Yeah. And it gets answered. Yeah. Years ago, I asked, do people still use flasks? And I actually got three or four flasks sent to me by listeners. I remember that. (laughs) And I don't use a flask, by the way, because they're too small. Well, just, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, we... We we used. I to, just carry a bottle with me yeah, in we, my hand, we, not even in a bag. We used to in the in the old studio, but now they allow us to bring in bottles. Yeah, yeah. Just nobody cares. <laughs> They're all smoking weed. We can just drink. <laughs> no, nobody. Yeah, nobody. Nobody cares anymore. <laughs> yeah, bring whatever you want into work. It's okay. Well, I should that. have asked the question. Does anyone send all night radio hosts brand new Mercedes anymore? And see what happens. Four hundred dollar bills. Yeah. <laughs> Unmarked. 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 The Bona Show. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Let me ask you this, because after you, we saw that uh, Jack Smith has tagged on four additional charges to uh, to uh, to Trump mm-hmm. with the classified documents. Do you, and and I don't. You know, again, Trump says that he will never, you know, plea bargain. But is that is that the goal of Jack Smith to throw so many charges on him? Is the hope, at least from their side, even though Trump says he won't, is the hope from their side that they can get him to plead guilty because there's so many charges? And what they're telling the lawyers is all we need to get is one or two of the 40 charges and he's going to jail. 
Is that what's going on behind the scenes? You know what made me ask that question? The fact that they also went after the maintenance guy. What do we know about Donald Trump? He's always been friendly with the people, the workers at any of his resorts, friendlier with them than the executives in the boardroom. That's been the uh, saying for as long as he's been famous. He's... He relates better to the hard hats than he does the people that are wearing the suits in the boardroom. So your maintenance guy, who he clearly had at least some relationship with, is you throw on more charges toward uh, on Trump, but you also throw on the charges to the maintenance guy. So now this guy is going down unless you do something. Right, unless you testify. Yeah. Unless something, yeah, yeah, well, either that, either the maintenance guy testifies against him or Trump steps in and says, you drop the charges on the maintenance guy, that wasn't him, and I'll plead to this. Or we'll work out an arrangement on this or whatever. And it's clear this is, you know, and, and I don't think they're done. I mean, just based on this, I don't think they're done. And the first thing you think, I mean, the, the, the first thing is, and you see it all over social media, well, what's going on with Biden and the classified mm-hmm. documents? Exactly. Well, now that we have seen what has happened uh, when it comes to uh, Hunter Biden and what they d- think about this, you know, they, you know, the they were willing to go to incredible lengths to attempt to protect the son because they knew it led to Biden. But even if they would have given the immunity to the son, it still doesn't protect Joe Biden. Yeah, right. And yet they were still willing to protect him. Now, again, this is why I say, what is the intent? Because the intent was... I believe, well, if we protect Hunter Biden, we protect Joe Biden. But I but they were wrong on that. And that's why I'm still that that's why I sit there and say, okay, anything that they do, I've got to look at, you know, what was the motivation and is the motivation here with uh Trump to get him to plead guilty even just to a couple of charges, and even if they just recommend probation or whatever, mm-hmm. because if they go through if they go through with this and they don't go after Biden for the classified documents situation, well, then you're going to have you know, you see it right now, the the anticipation of many Republicans right now saying, Look, we got enough to impeach, you know, at least, you know, to to convince the American public, let's go after and impeach uh, uh Joe Biden mm. uh, here. But this means that everything changes in the future. When it comes yeah. to presidents yeah. who leave the uh, the the office, um, because what we're seeing now is unprecedented in American history. Well, and I wondered too, <laughs> is that why Hunter's staying at the White House and not the other two homes? <laughs> they doing some summer cleaning. Well, um, yeah, that, I mean, that, that wouldn't, I mean, that no, because I don't, I, the only reason I would say no to that is because. Yeah, it was they, a joke. 
they don't wish to go after him. Yeah, I wasn't being serious. But the, the entire thing is, honestly, is weird. It's strange that nobody's bringing up at all the Hunter or the uh, the Biden documents. Yeah. What happened with the um, the University of Pennsylvania documents and, and what happened with the office? Yeah, we're, we've heard nothing from that special counsel investigation. Because well, we, we were told that that office right. was being shut down. Now, if there was an ongoing investigation, I don't know that you would shut that office down. Or do you just shut it down temporarily and and move on? But nothing has come out now, of, of the Biden document. Now, the insane part of it on Trump's side is right. if this is true, what the hell were you doing? What 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 was your motivation? There is no motivation. For example, if you look at what the intent is, the intent was not to sell classified information. The intent was not to give it to anybody. What was the criminal intent? If these things are all true with Trump, that's a question that sits in the back of your mind. Well, what was his criminal intent? With Biden... We know what the criminal intent was. Well, here here, you know, would we, be, here would be my question. Money. Yeah, here would be my question. Remember when Trump told Rolling Stone, I think it was, that they were spying on him at Mar-a-Lago. Is there another reasonable excuse for deleting the camera footage, any camera data? That you could apply here, okay. And, but, and okay I don't know. Okay, but I'm, I'm going more with I'm going more with that. If he did, if he did do, I'm not that that if it's all true that he mm-hmm. did that. I'm going by that assumption, not that he had another reason, but if he did do that. Well, the reason for, I bring for, that up for, is for, because... exa- for example, with the you know waving of the of the the top secret document, you know, if that is if that's what he was actually waving. And that still hasn't been proven. If right. He was actually waving that's, the and doc- that's what I'm getting now, at. He said that he, he the said burden he would, of proof is on the prosecution. Right. But my point is, I'm not talking about the case. I'm talking about if Trump did do it, what was the criminal motivation behind it? And I can't find what the criminal you mean motivation is. If, if, if he's doing it to, to hide it from the DOJ, is that what you mean? If what the DOJ says is true. That he deleted the footage. That he deleted the footage. Mm-hmm. Because he because uh, uh, he didn't want them to see him hiding things. Mm-hmm. All right. If he held up the if he held up that you know the 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 top secret document and and you know was showing it to people and saying those things, what was the criminal motivation behind it? The greater criminal motivation, right. to, That goes right. to another what, crime, right? What was not the, just hiding something from the DOJ, right? What was the intent? What was the criminal intent of doing it? Mm-hmm. Now, with with Biden, everything the the entire thing about Biden is the fact that uh, he his son was selling uh, uh, access to the president, right? In order for the president to push certain policies of the United States in order to enrich his family. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, there was a criminal intent for what he was doing. 
the things that his behavior was based on another criminal intent to get money, basically to take a bribe. So all the behavior of meeting and all that stuff, well, that's harmless. And he's just in business. What business was he in? Mm-hmm. Well, the business that they were in looks like when you see the 20 LLCs, when you see the, the, the connecting the dots, you're talking about almost a family organized crime syndicate. When you look at it, mm-hmm. that what they were, you know, what they were doing. And then you take, you know, the Hunter Biden WhatsApp you know, that's coercion. I mean, that gets to the point of, you know, you look at that and you go, my God, is that extortion? So you can, I can look at the things that Biden is accused of and say there was an underlying criminal intent, which I think in in the criminal justice system matters. And when you're talking about top secret documents and that and that transition back and forth, you have to ask yourself, what was the underlying criminal intent? And I can't find any. From Trump, that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Other than the back and forth, and um, you know, they're for them uh, obstruction of justice because the Department of Justice was moving on him or whatever he, you know. Well, well yeah, but but that's I'm not saying again. If it's true, mm-hmm. then they may be able to make the case to a jury that he obstructed justice. Mm-hmm. What is the underlying what you're crime saying is, to commit is obstruction all of this of justice? really falls under what it has been all along, and that is the negotiation between him and right and well, the DOJ or uh, the archives uh, organization. And it's really not mm-hmm. about him selling secrets. Well, it's like the whole or Michael- favor. To another nation it's or like, set of nations. It's like the whole Michael Flynn thing. Mm-hmm. He didn't do anything. They right. were they were they were screaming obstruction of justice, and then you ask obstruction of justice to hide what crime? Right. For example, Nixon and Watergate. Mm-hmm. They were going after Nixon for obstruction of justice. Why? He was doing everything to hide the crime that his underlings did with the with the burglary of the the Democratic mm-hmm. heading into the hotel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the, and the headquarters. Watergate. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what the underlying there is no underlying crime for Trump. That's the mm-hmm. maddening thing about it all. Right. Which is if it's true, you have to question what were you doing? And, you know, some of the analysis is, well, it's just a game with him. He just didn't want to do somebody tells him to do something. Mm-hmm. He's not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're going to be prosecuting and throwing these number of counts at a president where you can find no underlying criminal act in a negotiation for something like this, then all gloves are off for future Democrat well, no, presidents. This is, but this has been the MO for, from the left from the beginning. You have nothing on them. You get them on something procedural because you're looking into nothing. And the, the, the investigation into nothing is official about nothing, but it's still official. And if you do anything to impede that investigation, we will get you on a procedural issue. That's where they are. There is nothing here but a negotiation, a back and forth. He wanted to win the negotiation. He's Donald Trump, and he wanted to win the negotiation. That's it. That's all that was going down. Meanwhile, the current president is clearly compromised by at least one, possibly two nations, including China. Yeah. Wake the F up. 
Jesus. But it but it changes it changes everything, you know that, and that's why when you when you look at it, you go, okay, okay, what what is it all about? I mean, when you look at an intent in the criminal justice system, as we know, is a is a major key factor. What was the intent? Why were you doing something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. across the board? Well, you killed somebody. What was my intent? Yeah, self defense. Right. Oh, right. bye. You're 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 gone. So, killing somebody that isn't you know that is it's what is the intent behind it? Right. What is the criminal intent? And right. that's why you have first degree murder, second degree murder, manslaughter, negligent right. homicide, right. and then self defense. Right. Eight six six ninety red eye. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the -the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Well, it's a Friday show. ton of stuff we didn't get to this week that we want to get to. The COVID lab leak uh, decision, and that's uh, the information that came out that showed that uh, scientists that uh, were saying that uh, the lab leak didn't happen actually didn't believe that it came from nature, actually thought that the lab leak was viable. Shocking. (laughs) And we'll get to uh, that. Uh, The heat and climate change. And the paranoia going on there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, has it been, it's been pretty much every day. Yeah. It has that been. Yep. there has been something. Oh, oh, the oceans are boiling. Look, look, they're boiling. Those are waves. That's, that's not, <laughs> that's not boiling. Those are, look, it's boiling. It's about to boil. You know what I saw the other day from, uh, I think it was New York Times. It was New York Times or Washington Post. They all meld together because of the heat. Um, they were, they said there could be a turning point in the ocean over the next century. That's not what the headline, the the headline says a turning point will happen soon in the ocean, something like that. And then you read it over the next hundred um, years. Was that, the, was that the, the, the Gulf Stream story? Uh, yeah. Well, there's yeah. several on, on that. Yes. And, you know, the whole, this is unlike any other El Nino we've ever seen. It's a strong El Nino. Calm down. Nothing. It's it's summer and it's hot. This is Red Eye Radio on West. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. 
Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the entire planet, welcome and good morning. We are Red Eye Radio. Well, actually, you know, he's Eric Carley and I'm Gary Mackman. Red Eye Radio yeah. is a show we do. Right. You know, we, you know. That's we, our program. Are we actually a program? Or a show. Or a show. <laughs> someone, someone asked me that one time. Family member. He goes, do you have a program or a show? <laughs> I said, shut up. He goes, oh, it's a show. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Do you have a program or a show? Well, if we're on WBAP, we have a program. WBAP stands for We Bring, bring a, a program. program, right? Yeah, so, right. yeah. Hey, I didn't get asked that, uh, and I talked to quite a few people. I didn't get asked that over the weekend. What does WBAP stand for? <laughs> no. No. The, the, uh,. <laughs> So, like, you're on the radio. Oh, oh no, but, it always starts at, hey, so, you're, you're on the radio. So, like, you're on the radio, and, and um, like, when you talk and give your opinion, uh, are you actually giving your opinion, or do they tell you what to say? They. It's like, who do they think yeah. they is? I still go back to the, oh, favorite, that caller we got, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. Hmm. You guys... You guys are just following the talking points. Go, what do you think? Do you believe that the that every morning, like at nine thirty in the morning, Eric and I go on our computers and we have the marching orders from the New World Order? And the guy the guy says, "Yes, that's such garbage." They come across at eight thirty. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and the aliens deliver it right to us. That's right. Yeah, I uh, never forget that it was that was so funny. But I think we laughed for about a half hour. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I I was in a conversation uh, earlier this week. It was on Monday with a very nice person, but uh, they were talking about working overnights, and they said, uh, uh, "Yeah, I work overnights." I said, "Oh yeah, yeah, I do too." And and she said, "Yeah, well." I've worked overnights for nine years. I said, oh, oh, wow. She goes, how long have you worked overnights for? I said, almost 27. She says, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, if I hadn't found, because you you remember when I first got here, I couldn't, I was trying to force sleep. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember thinking, I can't do this. Mm. And I forgot who told me, maybe it was you, just sleep when you're tired. Yeah. Don't try to force the sleep. Sleep when you're tired. You you should be regimented, but but you definitely need to also sleep when you're tired. Right. Yes. And and for me, it's twice a day when I get home. And, mm-hmm. and then when my dentist, who's a sleep therapist, told me a few years after it, he said, well, what do you actually do? Because he's just like. The, the sleep therapists are like, you need to you need to sleep, <laughs> ten o'clock to seven a.m. 
every single day. It's like, well, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And and I remember because uh, we got in this conversation, he just shaking his head. And I said, well, what what shift should I work? Should I can can I work a morning show where I have to get up at two thirty in the morning? No, that's worse. All right, so I can't work overnights and I can't work a morning show that I have spent the majority of my <laughs> my career either doing uh, a morning show or a mid-morning show. But I was always up, you know, by, by you know, 2.30 or 4 and 5, or four, even when I was doing the midday show. goes, no, that's too early. Mm-hmm. So, so you're telling me I can only work afternoons? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, he said, well, when do you sleep? And I told him what I do, that I sleep twice a day, that I sleep when I'm tired. And I told him what I do on the weekends. And he goes, hmm, all right, that might be okay. And I said, why? And he said, because... You know, we had talked about caveman lawyer earlier, <laughs> but he yeah. said, you know, early man slept twice a day. Hmm. That they would go to sleep, you know, when it got dark out. I mean, so in the wintertime, they'd go to sleep at 5, and they would sleep till, you know, 10 or 11, and they'd get up, and they do stuff for three hours or so, and then they'd go back to sleep at 2 or 3, and then sleep mm-hmm. till 7. Mm-hmm. And he said, and I didn't know that. He goes, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, now, you're not on that exact time, but... uh he well, said, but maybe maybe you're close enough for your body. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. Farming and ranching, um, quite often it depends on your operation. Sometimes it's nonstop. Uh, but you'll get up very early, and you get all the work done before the hottest part of the day. And if you're lucky, uh, in the case of my uh, father-in-law's ranch, uh, it wasn't a large operation, so... You could get, he could get most of the work done by noon, which meant you had the afternoon to nap or watch Westerns, as he would do. Um, But often you could also take your, come back, take your nap in the heat of the day and then go back. Now, though, with the equipment, the modern equipment, it's got air conditioning. It's got, you know, satellite radio. It's It's got whatever you want on it if you're. If you're talking about the the massive machinery, so you know you're, it's more amenable to staying out in the heat longer. But quite often, though, you see the smaller operations that still do a lot of manual labor; they will cut that. Uh, in fact, uh, who was I reading about? Uh, I know that. Uh, some of the delivery companies have cut back their hours. They've gone back to, you know, 6 a.m. to, you know, 2 p.m. And there was another company over the weekend I read about that they're doing the same. In the heat, they're starting very early in the day, but they're they're cutting their day short. They're, they're, or they're, they're cutting their day early uh, in order to get, you know, to make sure that nobody's out there. The, the hottest part of the day, at least in our neck of the woods, is around is between four and five p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people get that wrong. A lot of people think it's noon one. That can be also very hot, but the highest temperature usually is reached uh, sometime between four and six p.m. And depending on the time of the year, but in the summer, it's it's typically in that range. And so you want to get you know the you just have to make those adjustments. You know, and I think that's, again, like your sleep therapist said, that's kind of the always the way that we worked. You worked when you could, when it met the, you know, the when it was the smartest. I was, uh, was telling my wife the other day, I said, 
all you people are suckers. I usually sleep through the hottest part of the year because, you know, I mean, I yeah. sleep through the day anyway. Um, but I, I usually go to bed at anywhere between yesterday. I went to bed at noon, which is extremely rare. Uh, this week I've been very tired, but I'll go to bed usually typically um, three or four ish. Uh, I shut everything off and that's the hottest part of the day. So I typically don't, you know, I'm not out in it because of my work shift. Yeah. I go to sleep usually between four. You know, five and five thirty. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the other day I went to sleep at four. I sleep when I'm tired. So, yep. but if you would have ever told me, just speaking about working overnights, if you ever told me when I started this show that I'd be doing this eighteen years and would prefer it, mm-hmm. that's the thing. I prefer this shift. I mean, that's the thing that blows my. I never thought because I. Every, you know, I'm, I'll be sitting there driving to work, and I'll, I'll say, you're going to work again, and going to work, and it's uh, 10.30, you're driving to work. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm, that's cool. <laughs> I mean, it's like, there's no, and I get home, at, you know, 20 after 5, it's like, oh, is, this is yeah. cool. Yeah. And I just, you know, I, I find it, um, well, I, I think the probably the best part is I don't have to deal with people outside of those that are immediately involved in getting the show done right now (laughs) i don't have to deal with people and and what do you do i talk to people (laughs) yeah but uh i just i I love this shift i really do you know talking about the heat and you know we're talking about the the left just going crazy on the whole climate change yeah and interesting article that was uh, written by uh, justin haskins in um uh in um uh on fox news but uh, Justin works for the uh, the Socialism Project, huh? the Socialism Research Center. You know, looking okay. at what socialism, you know, you know sure. what it actually does economically and all that for the Heartland uh, Institute, New York Times bestselling author. And he wrote, "It's not climate change that's causing heat waves this summer, but no one wants to explain why." And let me just read a couple of paragraphs. He goes. Every summer, heat waves inevitably hit the U.S. and other parts of the world, causing climate alarmists and left-leaning media outlets to demand dramatic, disastrous changes to the global Mm -hmm. energy system. Unfortunately, the summer is no different. On Tuesday, U.S. media outlets published a wave of stories about supposedly historic heat waves in Europe and North America. For example, Washington Post published an article titled, Heat Waves in U.S. Europe Virtually uh, Impossible Without Climate Change. Study finds Axios published a story titled Historic and Enduring U.S. Heat Wave by the Numbers. Although certain parts of the U.S. have undoubtedly experienced strong heat waves this summer, there's no reason to believe these weather events are evidence that the world is hurtling towards a climate change catastrophe. In fact, the best available evidence suggests that heat waves recorded a century ago were more problematic than anything We've seen today Uh, uh, protests across Australia were organized as part of a global day of action demanding world leaders act decisively on uh, on climate to prevent catastrophic global warming. Well, government researchers have been tracking heat waves for more than 100 years, according to the data from the U.S. climate uh, change science program hmm. which is made available by the environmental protection agencies the annual heat wave index 
for the 48 states was substantially higher in the 1930s than at any point in recent years. In some years in the 1930s, it was four times greater than now or even more. That's interesting because when you were talking about how you sleep, I was thinking of my maternal grandmother who talked about um, a small farm that they had, but they would, back then you would grow pretty much all your own vegetables. I mean, that was, you were, it was the uh, Great Depression, um, but they had grown up doing that. And they were, they had at that time, uh, I think four children. And they, she talked about that we would go out in the morning and work and then go back out in the evening and work. Um, but that the heat was so intense mm-hmm. because I went and stayed with her one time in the early eighties. It was, I think it was 81, 80, 81. And in that town, it was reaching 115, 116 every day that I was there. Uh, as a right here, additionally, Noah has a large database of daily temperatures. It goes back to 1948. NOAA used uh, used 1,066 weather stations located across the U.S. to collect the data. So Mm. they're using the same weather stations in the same areas. Ah, okay. And we've talked about that problem, too. Yeah, right. uh, With not using, you know, when you use, you you know, different ways to to analyze Mm -hmm. now than you did 10 years ago. Sure. That there's going to be a difference. Right. According to NOAA, huge portions of the U.S. have experienced significant decrease in abnormally hot days recorded since 1948, especially in the Midwest and northern and eastern Texas, where we live. Although it's true that some parts of the U.S. have seen a number of hotter-than-usual days increase uh, over the past 70 years, including in California and in the New York metropolitan area, both of which happen to be in areas uh, where a large number of media outlets are located, most weather stations have shown no meaningful changes or even, decli- or even declines. Meteorologist Anthony Watts, who works with me as a senior fellow at the Heartland Institute, analyzed NOAA's date, uh, data excuse me, in detail and found that 81% of weather stations used in NOAA's database reported that since 1948, there has been either a decrease or no change in the number of unusually hot days. Uh, if the available data so clearly reveal that there is no heat wave crisis, why are the media outlets suggesting the opposite is true? We'll tell you the answer coming up next, 866-90-RED-EYE. Surviving and thriving as an owner-operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. Costs are not the same each month. If 9,600 miles are driven one month and 10,000 miles the next, two different sets of costs apply for each month. For example, if your tractor payment is $1,850 per month and you drive 9,600 miles in the month, your tractor payment is costing you 19.3 cents per mile. Drive 10,000 miles, though, and that same payment will cost you 18.5 cents per mile. This is one of your major fixed costs while paying off a truck loan. The difference in this example is only a fraction of a cent, which may seem like small change, but it ultimately amounts to $960 more annually on the bottom line. Because though fixed costs do not go down over time, you can reduce your cost per mile with more paid miles. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. 
with advanced synthetic technology. For more information, go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Overdrive's Partners in Business section of the website for more detail on Business 101 and many other topics. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. In Toronto Radio, he's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. So this uh, article written uh, by uh, Justin Haskins, it's not climate change that's causing the heat waves, but nobody wants to explain why. As he said, uh, anyone that if the available data so clearly reveal that there is no heat wave crisis, why are the media outlets suggesting the opposite is true? The answer, sloppy, irresponsible media reporting combined with cherry-picked data. Anyone who wants to show a long-term warning or cooling trend can do so by selectively choosing starting and ending points in data sets that will provide the answer that you're looking for. For instance, if you start your examination of historic temperature uh, with figures collected in the 1970s when temperatures were below normal, Hmm. they were unusually low compared with the rest of the century, the current temperatures look abnormally high. If you start around 2010... Uh, the temperatures over the past decade appear to have dipped below normal and are only now recovering. When many media outlets and left-wing politicians talk about climate change data, they almost always selectively choose a range that offers an incomplete picture of the larger uh, available uh, uh, data set. This makes it appear as though today's temperatures are historic when they are actually well within normal historical ranges. Another problem is that the media outlets have been using temperature forecasts in their news reports as if those figures were actual temperature data. A forecast is, by definition, a guess. And some alarm, uh, alarmist analysts have recently made a bad habit of incorrectly predicting insanely high temperatures that never come to fruition. For example, The Telegraph, one of the largest papers in the U.K., published an article on July 18th, which the author claimed the European Space Agencies and thermometers could tip 48 degrees Celsius, uh, while the temperatures in Rome and Madrid could both reach the mid to high uh, uh, 40 Celsius. Uh, If if the available data so clearly revealed that there is no heat wave crisis, why are the media uh, suggesting that the opposite is true? The answer is sloppy, irresponsible media reporting combined with cherry-picking data. None of these predictions came true. In fact, some of them were off by several degrees or more. Yeah. And wow. we talked about this. Yeah, sure. Every single catastrophic prediction made yep. by the climate change alarmist, not one has come true. Each one was a dud. Each one. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. 
Uh, you know, so when we look here and it's, you know, we, we need to address this because every single day you're just seeing because it's summertime and there's hot weather out there that the earth is uh, the earth is boiling. The earth is uh, is boiling to the point where we got to earlier this week. And that's why we wanted to address this tonight. The insanity of the L.A. Times article asking the question, is it time that we uh, give up electricity? You know, uh, they did an article a couple of years ago. Is it time that we turn off air conditioning during heat waves in order to save the planet? And asking the question, how how much less electricity would you be willing to use in order to save the planet? That, you know, let's not have consistent forms of energy. Let's have undependable forms of energy that could go out at any time in order to save the planet. This is the insanity of the the left uh, right now, mm. you know, it was interesting. Uh, uh, Bjorn Lumberg, who believes that, and 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 I think that's, I, I think he's probably being intellectually honest. He believes that man is affecting the climate, but everything that the left is doing to solve the problem is wrong. Yeah. Now he doesn't know how much it is, and I don't think anybody does. Mm. I don't think anybody really, really knows how much uh, what man puts into the atmosphere is affecting the atmosphere. I really don't think they know. By the way, Greta at this point agrees more with Bjorn Lundberg than she does John Kerry. (laughs) Think about that. Because she's saying everything you're doing, nothing that you're doing is going to fix it. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. That nothing you're doing is going to fix it, but the left propped her up to be the right. mouthpiece. But, but they have different ways of going about it. You know, yes. he 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 believes yes. that. You know, he in, in fact he just did an article the other day saying that even if it is heating up, mm-hmm. that it's a good thing because more people live when it's hot than when it's cold. Mm-hmm. And he just wrote uh, that uh, the gave the statistics each year. Rising temperatures save 166,000 lives, so it actually saves lives. And so you get into all those particular discussions, but then you get into the entire point of that of of uh, the article that uh, oh, Mr. Haskins uh, wrote, um, uh, Justin Haskins, who said, "Let's just look at everything. Look at all the data that we have. Let's go to the data from NOAA. Let's look at the temperatures that have been consistent." at this particular point and go back to 1948 on it. And then, you know, the, the, you know, those particular things. And then, you know, you analyze that and you say, well, okay, well, if you start from 1948 and you look at now, and then it's not really a problem. If you look at the night, if you start at the 1970s, you know, and when it was unusually colder in around the world and you compare it uh, to now, yeah, you'd say, okay, things are hotter. But if you go to 2010 and look at now, you would say, oh, things are actually decreasing. Temperatures are actually decreasing. So it's looking at everything across the, you know, across the board. But as he also said, when you look at the 1930s, if you look at what we were looking at uh, back uh, uh, then, that things were actually a lot worse. Yeah. So, and that's the global warming index that they're looking at. But even that can be the global warming index. If you look at the fact that, what we have over the hundred years could be flawed to begin with, because unless you have consistency in where you're monitoring the temperature each and every year, 
then it's not consistent. As we said last, as the Wall Street Journal pointed out last week, uh, or maybe it was the week before, and it was uh, the uh, the the story about remember being the hottest day ever. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like yeah, that's not how it works. They're they're blowing smoke. I mean, they have no idea right. was it, whether it was the hottest day ever. And then they talked about the fact that you know back years ago, you know now a lot of the you know a lot of the temperatures are adding you know the uh, the, the the satellite. The satellite, you know, looking at temperatures. Well, we didn't have those before. So you have no base to look at. You have no base to look at if satellites were doing it in 1920, 19, you know, 1800. Whatever. Mm-hmm. There is no basis to look at. Mm-hmm. And so it's all bogus. Yeah. And so when you look at the cherry picking that goes on here in order to do what? To do what? Have government control capital. Yeah, you're looking at if if government controls the capital, you know, we can save the planet. Well, they can't save the planet. It's impossible. No. And, no. and so they come up with stupid ideas like the L.A. Times article the other day. Mm. How much electricity would you be willing to give up in order to save the planet? So nobody's the left isn't even looking at. All right. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And by the way, I put that into Google the other day. You should see how many articles written by people on the left saying we have to start giving up and rationing electricity in order to save the planet. We've been saying it for years. It was the logical next step, especially with the technology on your thermostat that allows somebody else outside your home to control it. Nope. Not going to happen. Not in a million years. You're not going to get that control over my home. and this, But this is where the left is. We're going to gain complete control over your children... Over the power that you can use. We're going to gain complete control over the energy, the means of production of the energy, and how much of it you get. The communists are looking at this going, man, they've really upped the game, haven't they? That's the play. Absolute and complete control because you're too stupid under the false guise that they're saving the planet. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because when we talk about the whole, you know, uh, gas stove versus um, electric stoves, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, the gas stoves are more efficient mm-hmm. because you're going to have to need, you're going to have to have natural gas plants. Natural gas plants are going to have to back up everything that's out there. Right. Solar and wind cannot run on its own. And what they're saying is, yes, it can, because we're just going to have times when you don't have electricity. Hmm. That's the left's final, the the radical left's final goal. Yeah, right. Well, you don't need natural gas. Yeah, you do. We need consistent forms of energy. No, you don't. We need to learn to live without electricity. Right. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah. If if you want to use electricity, if you want electricity 24-7, you clearly want to kill the planet. Yeah. And and the entire thing of, you know, New York, for example, they're doing, we, we talk about things that do the opposite of what they even wish to do. And yeah. we talked about when yeah. they didn't, when, uh, when Biden immediately, when he took office and cut the Keystone pipeline, by the way, good job by the Supreme Court mm. yesterday, by the way, on the, yeah. on the other pipeline, the uh, West Virginia pipeline. Right. Um, but, uh, it was like, 
Biden does it, kills tens of thousands of great union jobs. And yeah. then even John Kerry, well, ISIS doesn't provide health care. Okay, I'm sorry. That was that, <laughs> that John Kerry. Yeah, that John the same Kerry. John Kerry right, the same said John, that. said that. Yeah. Uh, John Kerry said, well, <laughs> no, the most efficient way would be to ship it through the pipelines because you get much more global warming gases yeah. into the atmosphere by transporting it by truck and train. Imagine that. So actually the pipeline would put less into it. didn't matter. Didn't matter as long as it, it can, as long as it fits the narrative of solving the climate change problem, even if by their own definition it doesn't, it's still the right thing to do because you're trying to do the right thing, even though you're doing the wrong thing yeah. by your own standard. Right. Yeah, that's logic I can argue with. Jeez. Mm-hmm. And, and so you see that in the same thing with the, the electric stoves. Well, wait a minute. It's more efficient just to to have gas stoves, have the natural gas go right there, and then there it is. It does whatever you need to do. To have a natural gas plant that has to produce, the natural gas plant that has to uh, heat the water in order to produce the electricity that then runs through the transmission lines that then goes to your house to do the to to uh, uh, you know to uh, uh, um, run your electric stove. It's a lot less inefficient. You're using more natural gas. Right. And the electricity is less efficient in heating whatever your element you're trying to heat, whether it's an entire home, a water heater, whatever it is. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Gas is much more efficient. Yep. Yep. And it's just, it doesn't matter. Nope. It, it doesn't even matter. doesn't even matter whether it doesn't fit their own agenda. No. As long as somebody says it fits the agenda, that's okay. Well, they build the model out, and you can't change the model. Go ask Al Gore. He admitted later, much later, that he lied about ethanol. Mm -hmm. And at the time, he was getting pushed back on it. Because from farm to pump, it doesn't do what they say it It does. Right. Al Gore had to admit, I lied in order to try to get elected. Which is why the aforementioned... Greta jumped off the bandwagon after learning who these people are. You're not trying to do anything. Now, she's got a different agenda, as you mentioned, of her own. But she agrees more with with people who believe that the left is doing all the wrong things than she does with the people who used her, propped her up to be their poster child. But the important note is... She believes, like a Bjorn Lumberg and others, that the left is doing all the wrong things. That's, but she would do completely different things yes, than that, a Bjorn Lumberg. That's or, what I mentioned. Or, yes. 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 And so that's that's how crazy it's become. And why is that? Because even the children were that they they go in and they believe that they can control their minds, they believe they can change their position on 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 many things don't buy the BS, all of the BS that they're selling. The fact of the matter is they can't do anything about it. They're not going to do anything about it. What this is is controlling more of your money, your behavior, your language, your life under the ultimate 
threat of the world is going to end. Well, we the L.A. Times, again, the conclusion they've come to, well, are you willing to use now <laughs> less electricity? Yes, which is why I'm canceling my digital subscription to the L.A. Times. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara talking about the climate change hysteria. We go to Andy in Butler, Pennsylvania. Andy, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio. Hi, Andy. Hey, good morning. It's, it's great to talk to you guys. Um, I actually think this this, this climate change thing, uh, uh, you, you guys aren't serious enough about it. The, the, the California paper asking, would you use less electricity? That's just a primer for the ultimate question, which is, you know, are liberals willing to go to having a zero carbon footprint? In other words, are they willing to make the ultimate sacrifice and just, you know, <laughs> not be with us anymore? <laughs> I, I, I really think I really think liberals should seriously consider that for the good of the planet. Well, well, you know something, and I shouldn't have said less electricity. Go without electricity. Yeah, because right. go yeah, without yeah. electricity port is what they're actually talking about. Right. That your power would go off uh, for five hours a day or whatever. Is what they're so it's not like just it's, using less because we all want to use less electricity because our, our bill goes down if we can be more efficient sure in what we do but just so yeah. you know Andy there was a uh, a climate alarmist about ten years ago and Eric and I did the story that said we need to get rid and I think it was it was a, at least a decade ago because we only had seven billion people and he said we need to get rid of six billion oh in, yeah in order to yeah. save the planet oh yeah. my god and, I was yes. And and we cannot have it. Being done in peace. No, no, and that you can't have any cities over twenty five thousand people. It's funny because Bill Burr in one of his stand up specials actually does that joke. If he were running for office, and he's liberal on many things, uh, but he he was like, "Look, you just have to be clear. A lot of you people are going to have to go. So <laughs> what we've done today is we put some envelopes <laughs> under your seat." Everybody reach under your seat. It was just, I mean, and it was like, and he was like, no, 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 hear me out. Like, you know, people are obviously giving him pushback if he were actually up there on stage as a, uh, a presidential candidate. But, but that's exactly what they're looking at. And by the way, the birthing rate has slowed dramatically. Yes. And we actually may be getting to the point because uh, many liberals, not all, Many liberals uh, believe that it's wrong to bring any other humans onto the planet. Now, conservatives, quite often, not every time, want to have families. So, if you follow the math, we just have to wait. is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One.
It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. <laughs> All across America and save the planet. <laughs> we're. This is why we exist. We're here to save the planet. Yes. Yes. Not the dirt. The people. You. You. I thought, don't care about the dirt. You thought we were here to just to discuss issues and give our opinion. No. Uh, we are here to save the planet. Yeah. I. Uh, because I just, none of you care as much as we do. Yeah. I just uh, went outside and uh, took my keys and went out and uh, started my truck. To leave it idling for the rest of the show. <laughs> well, With the air it. conditioner full blast and make sure that it's nice and cold and it <laughs> uses as much fuel as possible in the next three hours for no reason at all. What, did you leave your groceries in there? Nope. <laughs> so I, since we're talking, you know, we decided, hey, it's Friday and, you know, ton of stuff we didn't get a chance to talk about, uh, uh, you know, this week. And one of them is the absolute paranoia on on the fact that it's summer in the northern hemisphere what <laughs> it's summer and and in places it's hot <laughs> the southern pro the southern hemisphere's protesting they refuse to do summer this time of year <laughs> <laughs> if the left can make it up as they go along i can make it up too and and so we uh, we read the uh, the article by Justin Haskins, who said, if you actually look at if you if you actually look at uh, things where the base levels are the same, where, for example, you have uh, where you have, uh, uh, you know, weather stations at the same, you know, same different places around the world for mm-hmm. a significant period of time, you'll mm-hmm. see that things really haven't changed at all yeah. since mm-hmm. 1948. And if you look back, they were really bad in the 1930s. When yeah. you look at it, I mean, yeah. the heat indexes are just out of control. And when you look at over the last, you know, 100, 150 years, got the graph in front of me, you look at it and you go, okay, the 1930s is where there was big problems. But since that time, if you look at the 70s compared to now, uh, you would say, oh, look, look at the 70s compared to now. Man, the heat's going up. Look at this. But if you look at from 1948 till now, you're not going to see that. If you look yeah, from right. 2010 until now, you'd look at it and say, oh, wow, we're getting colder. So it's, you know, if you cherry pick and pick out, you know, whatever segment you want, you can make whatever argument you want. Yeah, but when sure. you look at the totality of it, of what we know, so which is very limited from what we know, you don't, you really don't see that. But we had also mentioned about uh, the the people out there that believe global warming is happening, but believe everything the left is doing is completely wrong. Hmm. And John Stossel had an, uh, a, a column in um, the New York Post, beginning of July, uh, where he was talking about Bjorn Lumberg, who Bjorn Lumberg believes that uh, that uh, uh, man is affecting the, the the climate. To what degree? He's not sure. He believes a little, uh, but he still. And I think being intellectually honest. You really don't know, but he believes it is because of what we're putting into the uh, the the atmosphere. 
So Stossel starts it. He said, I asked people on the street if you could spend $30 billion trying to solve the world's problems, what would you spend it on? Hmm. Said a few, build houses, address homelessness, spend on health care, redistribution. No. But the most common answer was fight climate change. Really? Hmm. Climate change is the world's most important problem? I'm trying to sound like Stossel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> really? Really? Climate change mm. is the most important problem? Mm. Uh, and then he quotes Bjorn Lumberg, president of the Copenhagen Consensus Center. It's not surprising if you live in the rich world that that's the answer. Lumberg has spent 20 years consulting with experts from the United Nations, non-governmental organizations, and 60 teams of economists seeking consensus on how to address the world's biggest problems. He said the point is not that climate change uh, is not that climate change is not an issue, but we need to have a sense of proportion. Hmm. Uh, he says that while climate change may cause problems someday, if you live in most other places on the planet, you're worried that your kids might die from easily curable diseases tonight. Hmm. That's why it's important to ask ourselves, where can we spend dollars and do a lot of good versus just a little good? He said 20 years ago, the United Nations issued development goals. He said, surprisingly, he says they actually help people. Why? Well, the goals were get people out of poverty, hunger, get kids into schools, stop mom and kids from dying. That effort, plus global capitalism, lifted millions out of poverty. Unfortunately, now the U.N. pushes sustainable goals that promise everything to everybody. Get rid of poverty, hunger, disease, fix war, corruption, climate change, says an exasperated Lumberg. <laughs> but, a, but a Bank of America estimates reports that fighting climate change alone would cost trillions. Even that might not affect the climate very much. Lumberg said we spend way too much money ineffectively on climate. Not only are we not fixing the climate, we're also wasting an enormous amount of money that could have been spent on other things. Lumberg's new book, Best Things First, says $35 billion could save 4.2 million lives in the poor part of the world each and every year. For example, screening people for tuberculosis, giving medicine to people who have it, making sure they complete their treatment would save up to a million lives a year. Nobody in the rich world countries dies from tuberculosis, but in poor countries, they still do. Spend $5.5 billion, you could save most of those people. Hundreds of thousands more die from malaria. Buying bed nets with insecticides that kill mosquitoes would save lots of lives. So it's uh, spending basic uh, uh, around the world on basic vaccines for uh, for kids. These ideas are common sense. They cost much less than we spend now pretending to manage the climate. You want to help people? I say to Lumberg, yet people hate you. He goes, well, some people hate me, he laughs. <laughs> One shoved a pie in his face. Others call him the devil incarnate, a traitor who needs to be taken down. All because he points out that the world has bigger problems than climate change. Uh, it, then John Stossel says, and I have to do this because you know how Stossel will ask the question. Mm -hmm. You know, he'll play devil's advocate. Climate change might cure, kill poor people, too, I point out. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly will, and climate change 
uh, is more damaging to poor people, Lomberg replies. But remember, everything is worse for poor people because they're poor. Mm-hmm. Unmitigated scaremongers leads to infective political action. We need to have a conversation about where we spend money well compared to where we just spend money to feel virtuous about ourselves. I mean, he sees it. And so here's somebody who believes climate change is happening, believes it may be a problem someday, believes it's not a problem now because it's better than cold weather. Mm -hmm. Cold weather kills more than that. And that's what we brought you just uh, the last part of last hour. Lumberg talking about the fact that so far, if he believes the temperature has gone up a little bit, it saves lives. Yeah, Cold kills people, kills a lot more people. Heat kills people, but not as many as cold. Right. And and so he looks at it and goes, that's why he says maybe down the road it will damage us, but right now it's not. Mm-hmm. And everything that we're spending money on, trillions of dollars, is completely not effective whatsoever when we could, if, if the goal is to save human lives, we could save a ton of human lives. Yeah. Right. So it's interesting to get it from that perspective. The The people that believe, yeah, it's probably happening. Is it serious? No. One question we've always asked, though, and I think it's a very important question. Now, I go back to uh, doing talk radio since 89. and 1989, to be clear. 1989, yes. I I did not become a talk radio host in 1889, which I believe was just getting out of the, the, what do they call it, the mini ice age. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been post- Hear ye, hear ye stage. Yes. Uh, but but, but I remember. Under the lantern. But I remember in the 70s. Mm-hmm. I didn't become a talk host till 89. But I remember in the 70s where they were saying, we're all going to freeze to death. But you look at all the, all the major catastrophic predictions that have been used to scare you to death. Mm-hmm. Not one has come true. Not one. And so you ask the question, if I'm being told that I need to care about saving the planet and I must abide by what you are telling me that I need to do, yet the side that you're on, every single catastrophic (laughs) prediction that you made And there's been dozens upon dozens upon dozens upon dozens. Not one has come true. When you have the real first leader of the climate change movement, international leader, Al Gore, admitted Mm -hmm. that he lied in order to get elected about the first major push internationally, which was for ethanol, and he lied about ethanol in order to get elected. Why should I believe you? If I'm just a normal person out there, I don't know anything. I just go about my life every single day. Why should I believe you when every single catastrophic projection that you have made and prediction you have made has not come true? When am I supposed to say, look, you need to come up with better proof because everything you've told me so far has been wrong right it's is that logical is that right i think i think it's a logical place to be it's for, for it, it's a most natural people. place to be to question mm-hmm. 
a group of individuals who has been consistently wrong on something when they keep repeating it over and over and over again. But it's it's a lot like, you know, other items off of their agenda. You and I have heard it over the years. I've been doing uh, talk radio for two hours and 11 minutes and 54 seconds. And I can tell you that, uh, well, uh, that's, actually, that's a stretch. I've been doing this for a few minutes, and we have heard <laughs> from liberals, that, well, but, yeah, but, you know, we haven't tried single-payer system here in the U.S. We're the U.S. We'll do it right. Or uh, they were doing it wrong before. You know, everybody did socialism wrong. Now we can do it right. Well, the fact of the matter is, when it comes to this item here, well, they they weren't right the first time, but they're right now. They weren't right in 1989 when they told you that if you live in D.C. by the year 2000, you're going to have to take a gondola to work. You know, they over and over and over again. You know, they're screaming right now about the heat. But one of the things that, that also that actual meteorologists have been talking about is that a strong El Nino also means for the southern tier, it could be a wetter and colder uh, winter. And having done the whole free po- freeze apocalypse a couple of years ago here in Texas, we're very excited about that prospect of having a colder, wetter winter. Yeah, we'd l- we'd love for the solar panels not to work. Yeah, huh. And the windmills to break down oh, again sure. and not be prepared. Oh, we because we don't it. have the backup natural gas or it, the capital investment into natural yeah, gas. No, it, to make well, sure it can handle freezing weather. It was wonderful, huh? But they'll be screaming, of course. Then you know that. Uh, I mean, right now they're screaming about the heat in the summer, and they'll be screaming about the and and then we always make the joke about them having their climate change meetings in the dead of winter in the coldest parts of the world. <laughs> I know. What are you guys doing? Well, it's not just because one cold spell doesn't mean that they do. Yeah, but in July, you guys were screaming. Yeah, but well, they're screaming right now. Exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah, they're, yeah. in July, you're screaming, it's the, it's the hottest day ever. No, it's not. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Crowley, and I'm Gary McNamara. To to continue the narrative on on the climate change hysteria that we've seen here in the month of uh, uh, July, and I asked a question uh, to our liberal friends again with with the fact that we know that all the predictions that have ma- been made since the 1970s of the uh, catastrophic predictions that have been made were not one has come true, mm. not one. Mm-hmm. When should we start doubting your ability to predict or be suspicious of your motives? Uh, especially when we know and we see it right now with, you know, when AOC came out with the Green New Deal that was endorsed by the Democratic Party. Yeah. And now right. you see Joe Biden. What do they wish to do? They wish for the government to tax people 
so the government can decide what products they will force you to buy because you'll have no other choice. And the government will subsidize the private industry that produces these products because they can't make a profit on them. And so you look at it and you say, well, that seems to be socialism to me, where government wants to control a lot more of the capital instead of actually, if you're going to use taxpayer dollars, as Bjorn Lumberg pointed out, you could save a heck of a lot more lives doing it some other way. And you wish to take and control much more of the economy when you've been completely wrong on all the catastrophic predictions that you've made over the last 50 years. Every one never happened. And so many of you may be living in the bubble of today. Well, it's hot, therefore I think it's true. Yeah. Well. No, that's, that's hate, what they count on. They, I, they right. count on your ignorance <laughs> of the moment. But, and many of you don't know. I do because... Uh, I'm I'm a uh, you're old. I'm old. And so I've here I've heard all of the which I now know was complete bull over the last 50 years that we do something now or catastrophe is going to strike. None of it ever happened. None of it. None of it. So when will you start doubting or do you believe if you're on the left, that the government should take all of your money ah. and decide where to spend it because they can spend it better than you. When you start living in a society that says, we can spend your money, we can take your money and force you to buy products that you're not asking for, that you can't afford... Uh, and even with the subsidies, the companies can't make money. And you're are you willing to hand over more of your paycheck for that? Do you actually believe if you're on the left that Joe Biden knows how to save the world? Do you really, really believe that? Just because he cured cancer doesn't mean he can save the whole world. Okay. I was wrong. I forgot. He said it this week. Yeah. I didn't know it. I didn't know. Did anybody else know that we cured cancer this week? I was actually in a hospital on Monday. We cured cancer as As we we know know it. it. Ah, there's the question. The the uh, the the DCEs, not even legalese. The DCEs. (laughs) uh, What is what is is cancer as he knows it? (laughs) Green, you know the president. Anybody ask her that question? Yeah. Yeah, the president said this. Well, he said, "As we you, know it." What do you mean, cancer? Which, which as means we know it. Which means what? I've just answered your question. As right. we know it, right? I've, I've answered that question a million times. I've answered it two billion times. Well, no, you have answered. What does that mean then? That you've cured cancer as we know it. What does that actually mean? I just told you, as we know it. Yeah. But what does that mean? I'm not going to answer your question next. Exactly. The Bonus Show. 
It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. God, just reading this story here, I saw part of it yesterday. Progressive Representative Greg Kassar of Texas, a Democrat, a new member of the squad. Oh. Faced waves of mockery on Twitter about his thirst strike protest lasting eight hours. He said, yesterday was incredible. I was honored to be joined at my thirst strike by workers in Texas and across the nation and by lots of colleagues pushing for federal heat safety protections, the congressman tweeted. Eight hours without water and food. But I'm more energized than ever to get this done. Okay. Many, many commentators across Twitter saw the demonstration as far less of an achievement with some claiming the premise of his protest was not even accurate in the first place. Democrat Greg uh, Kazar went eight hours without eating or drinking something. To normal Americans, that's just skipping breakfast or lunch at work. Or going to sleep. (laughs) Another said to him, it's a hunger strike. That he set up media cameras. Uh, Dude, that's not even intermittent fasting, which is trendy. (laughs) Well, for no for no other purpose than to look better. Well, well, I've I've got I've got my normal doctor's appointment coming up and, you know, being a type two diabetic, you know, they uh, you know, you you take uh, two hour fast and eight hours. Mm-hmm. You know, now I normally never fast for eight hours. I just don't do it. I mean, mm-hmm. I just don't eat like that. And so for me, you see me when I, when I, you know, when, how many times when I get closer, just so I get a pattern for the doctor that he can see for a couple of months, mm-hmm. I'll, uh, I will eat it like, uh, my last meal, at like four o'clock. Then I'll go to sleep and really don't do anything until, you know, I got up and then mm-hmm. I don't want to take it right after I sleep. And so I come in here do the show prep, and right before the show, right before 12, I take it. That's a normal thing for me in my life. Hmm. He's got media cameras and everything else out there. And eight, out, eight whole hours? Eight whole hours. Eight whole hours. Uh, twice on vacation, I went over 24 hours without eating. It, it wasn't necessarily intermittent fasting. Uh, it had to do with a... a well, a number of different things. Um, but if I get, if if my mind is set on like finishing something, if I'm, especially if I'm tired, I'm going to have to finish something. And if I wake up and then, you know, and this happened a couple of times while we were on vacation last month, uh, earlier this month, um, it's not August yet. And uh, we woke up early in the morning and, and, you know, we got busy doing things and I was I was kind of doing a, a couple of different projects, and by the time I looked at a clock, it had been over twenty four hours since I had eaten. Now, not the healthiest thing to do, but that happens. No, I, eight hours. I've never gone twenty four hours. Before. Eight hours, and and for me, it didn't. I mean, I didn't um, because uh, I never go without water in the summer. That's you know, um, but I do go without water eight hours a day, every day. Because I go to sleep. Even if I don't sleep eight hours, 
every day, there's an eight-hour period that I go without water. Love to see it, it. It's not for a cause. Many commentators mocked a dramatic photo of the congressional representative appearing exasperated with what appears to be a heart rate monitor on his finger. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> wow. All right. Okay. There's there's some virtue signaling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's just hilarious. Yeah. As it was some great feat of sacrifice. That's about as weak as it gets. I know. Well. Not surprised. New member of the uh, new member of the squad. It's good to see there's a new member of the squad. Well, you got to do some flexing on your virtue signaling, right? Yeah. Look at me. I know you can all see the heart monitor on my finger. That's I've, I've. It's it's been almost twenty minutes without water now. <laughs> Don't stand up too fast. This was written in Wall Street Journal, Matt Ridley, Alina Chan, the COVID lab leak deception. Scientists who signed a paper claiming a uh, a natural origin turned out not have to have believed it themselves. Shocked. Wow. On March 20th, the journal Nature Medicine published a, a paper by five scientists The uh, with the uh, Talking about the origin of uh, SARS-CoV-2 uh, that dismissed any type of laboratory-based scenario for the origin of the pandemic. It was cited by thousands of news outlets to claim that the virus emerged naturally. But Slack messages and emails subpoenaed and released by the House Oversight Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic suggest that some of those scientists and authors did not believe their own conclusions. Before, during, and even after the publication of their paper, they worried privately that COVID-19 was caused by a laboratory escape, perhaps even a genetically engineered virus. Hmm. The lead author, evolutionary biologist, uh, Christian Anderson of the Scripps Institute told uh, the journal's chief editor that he would edit the paper to make clear that this virus does not have a natural origin. The paper stated boldly, our analysis clearly shows that the virus is not a laboratory construct or a, a purposefully manipulated virus. Shortly after the publication, Francis Collins, a national director of the National Institutes of Health, wrote on the NHI website, NIH website, that this study leaves little room to refute a natural origin for COVID-19. Anthony Fauci, then director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, said from the podium of the White House that the paper showed that the data were totally consistent with the jump of a species from animal to human. In private, 
the authors celebrated the traction their paper was gaining. Despite angry emails from the public, we rule. That's tenure secured right there, Mr. Anderson wrote. The mainstream media frequently cited the paper in ridiculing any discussion of the lab leak as a conspiracy theory favored by racist and right-wing extremists. Facebook censored the topic for a year. Yet now the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the Energy Department, the U.S. intelligence agencies with the strongest scientific expertise, have uh, assessed that the pandemic likely had research-related origins. Mr. Anderson's messages confirm that senior scientists who controlled the purse strings of the large funding bodies prompted them to draft the paper after a conference call on February 1st, 2020. They were included Dr. Fauci and Dr. Collins. Shortly before their paper went public, evolutionary biologist and virologist Edward Holmes of the of Sydney University reported that his fellow authors, uh, uh, Jeremy Farr and Francis Collins, are very happy with the final draft. Two of the authors wrote in private messages that they had rushed their paper out under pressure from unidentified higher-ups. The role of these senior scientists when unacknowledged in the paper. When asked at a July 11th subcommittee hearing before the latest release of messages about the contrast between their public and private opinions, one of the authors, Robert Gary of Tulane, replied, I was doing what scientists often do, and that is take a devil advocate's position. Mr. Anderson said that changing your mind in the light of new evidence is simply the scientific progress. Wow. Yet the newly excuse me. Yet the newly revealed messages show that the scientists didn't change their minds. They continued to advocate privately for the devil even after a preliminary version of the paper went online on February 16th. On February 20th, Mr. Anderson wrote to the editor of Nature uh, that new data uh, didn't help refute the lab origin, adding that we all really, really, really wish that we could do that. But unfortunately, it's not possible given the data. Another uh, uh, author uh, wrote, I literally swivel day by day thinking it is a la- it is a lab escape or natural. And then on April 16th, Mr. Anderson wrote, I'm still not fully convinced that no culture was involved. We also can't fully roll out engineering. So they always thought it was a possibility, yep. yet they said it wasn't. Yeah. And the message is, you know, coming out. And uh, Jim Jordan yesterday talking about the fact that emails show that the White House was involved in, you know, making sure that Facebook would censor a ton of different things, including, you know, including that. And it's really incredible when you think about it, because it's the Democrats that have talked about disinformation for such a long time. But when you look at it, everything we look to, we look at where we are right now with the with President Biden and the bribe allegations and Hunter Biden and everything else and how that was censored. Yet it was true. But we look at everything with COVID, how much of it was BS. Well, and uh, when you have scientists manipulating data to show something that is quite the opposite, those individuals need to be punished for that. Yep. I don't know what laws apply. I don't know what rules apply in any uh, licensing or certification process. But they absolutely need to be punished for that. 
So why did they publish a paper denying the laboratory origin was plausible? The answer may lie in their own messages. In early February 2020, Mr. Rambout wrote, given the blank show, the S show that would happen if anyone seriously accused the Chinese of even accidental release, my feeling is we should say that given that there is no evidence of a specifically engineered virus, we cannot possibly distinguish between natural evolution and escape, so we are content with ascribing it to a natural process. Mr. Anderson said, I totally agree that that's a very reasonable conclusion, although I hate when politics is injected into science, but it's impossible not to. That's a load of horse manure. If we're So we're worried about upsetting China. Yes. Uh, because, you know, they could stop their payments to the Bidens. So they attempted to destroy Americans' lives. Yeah. Who were saying, wait a minute, we need to be telling the truth to the American people. And they did everything to destroy their lives, call them racist, call them right-wingers. Yep. Instead of, and what they're saying is now, we're scientists, but, you know, politics gets involved in it. Not in research, it doesn't. Either either you believe it scientifically or you don't. That's what you put in. Yeah, don't call yourself a scientist. You're yeah. an activist. Right. You're a politician. Yep. And you're a liar. Yep. But, you know, you, you think about this. The biggest, think about the gall of Democrats lecturing the American people that they need to stop disinformation that when you look at it, the biggest purveyors of disinformation, organized disinformation, and of censoring the truth, were the Democrats. Yep. 86690-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Front Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up following the top of uh, the hour, apparently Claire McCaskill has become one of the crazy Democrats. Ah, yes. She yeah, said it again. She said it again on MSNBC yesterday. Yeah. You know uh, what's going on here? Yeah. The Republicans are just, they're attacking Biden over loving his addicted son. Uh-huh. She's, and if yeah. people wonder why we say she's becoming one of those crazy Democrats, it's because of the ad. The desperation ad that she put out back in 2020 or 2018? Uh, when that she was 2018. When, when, when she lost yeah. her seat. Yeah, it was 2018. So she put out an ad with two people talking about the Democrats and saying, yeah, but Claire McCaskill, she's not one of those crazy Democrats. And we really analyzed that ad and said, wow. That's in the narrative. They use that term. Mm-hmm. They use that term because that was the feedback that they were getting at yeah. the campaign. It didn't work for her. No, she lost in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's almost five years almost ago. Almost five years ago. Wow. Seems like it's not that long ago. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. 
It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Harley. Wow. I mean, really nothing on extraterrestrials yesterday. You figure that would have lasted, I don't know, 48 hours in the news, and it was like, okay, we're done. We'll move on. I think we all know why it went quiet. Say no more. (laughs) The truth is out there. The truth is in here. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing is happening. (laughs) I got your truth. I got your truth right here, pal. Um, it's the slogan from the X-Files. <laughs> the truth is out there. Yeah. It's, it's not. It isn't. That was that was Mulder's way of justifying his job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he must always be seeking the truth. Up to the age I reached, uh, the, I reached the age of uh, 67 and a half. And then the truth, well, can, can uh, go take a leap. Uh, yeah, it's, so I get my 20 years in, look, what's what's Mulder doing these days? Is he retired? Do you think with the FBI Uh, or did, or did he quit? Did, 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 did Comey destroy Mulder's job? You know what? They could actually bring back that, that show where Mulder was finally, uh, he quit, right? Because he was tired of the red tape or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then he goes into... The online world of, you know, all right, you know, and he's, he's got his own website, uh, former FBI agent, uh, blah, 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 blah. He's alien, in the media. He's, alien chaser. Yeah, he's he's basically become an alien. That wouldn't be a bad idea for a show. What about Scully? I... Do they need each other to succeed? Do the characters need each other? I liked pairing of the two. I would like to see it. I just don't know. She doesn't, her character didn't, was not as um, disturbed going against the grain (laughs) as he was. You know, he was kind of out there on his his own. He had his own. I would like to see some role for her because I like the character, but I don't know how the character fits in, you know. But you could totally do that show today. Uh, and the thing is, he's kind of doing it. Ah, no, no, no. Instead of doing it online, he's really kind of doing it quietly. So you have all these people that are doing it online, and they're always contacting him. And he's like, nah, I don't want to, you know, I'm not into doing you know, the social media thing. I don't want to do the, no, 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 no. I, I'm just, you know, doing my thing. I'm retired. I don't do anything except he's not, he's, he's retired from the FBI, but he's not retired for the search of the search. You know, he's not left. He's not abandoned his belief. And so he's just kind of working behind the scenes off the grid with his connections not really, though, the, the whole smoking man kind of thing, you know, where you're oh. meeting somebody in a garage at 2 a.m. 
and you know they and the lights aren't on you know you're it, it would and, be more of a you know he's just kind of out there doing his own thing quietly well you couldn't have uh the cigarette smoking man also known as cancer man anymore because mm. cancer has been cured this week yeah right exactly you know, biden cured right yeah as we know it as we know it. as we know it yeah and i'm not a doctor so i don't there's things you know, I, a lot of things when, i don't when know i think about, about back to the x-files it's not even any alien stuff that i remember because i was just thinking about it and i go what episodes no it's just from? strange stuff the 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 episodes i remember uh, is the one you remember the 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 logging episode where they go into it has to be somewhere in the northwest mm. and you know these loggers are disappearing and dying mm. and so they go in to investigate and it's they're cutting these old growth trees that are so old that these insects are inside the tree that are ancient that are ancient, and these insects come out. I vaguely remember and, that. And basically, yeah. and basically kill you and put you into basically a cocoon. Your body becomes enveloped in a cocoon, but darkness is when they come out. You know, and so if you have light, light will uh, light will keep them from coming. And so Mulder gets hit by them, but they don't kill him. They, the, you know, they they were able to rescue him beforehand and give him I, the treatment to bring him back. I seem to recall a conversation we had years ago. For those that don't know, we've been together 18 years together on the air. Yes. And I seem to recall comparing what the show had become, the X-Files to Night Stalker with Darren McGavin. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which I did, yes, yes. Loved yeah. that show. Yeah, my mom my mom loved that show. That was the show of shows for me because it was the coolest, you know, everything was shrouded in mystery. And then it was just over. You know, the episode was just over and you're like, Well, but 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 and it left you wanting more every week. I loved that show. But yeah, they could I think they could bring back X Files. And and the other one was uh, it was on Native American land, and uh, some Native Americans were being killed, and they didn't know how. Yeah. And it was basically this guy who became a werewolf. <laughs> oh, you know, and, yeah, right. And it was an yeah. Indian legend and everything else. And it right. was, uh, yeah. you know, this guy became basically killed everybody. He was a werewolf. But it would only happen every, I don't know, like these murders would happen every 17 years or okay. something. Yeah. I forgot yep. what the, yep. no. the, the, the time I remember that was. Okay, and, and yeah. I think you know why yeah. mm-hmm. I I like those because I they were they both gave the impression it's the same way that I the the reason I like uh, uh, Rambo First Blood they're they're all supposedly in the in the Great Northwest and right. th- and the weather is perfect the weather is is perfect yeah I, it just the 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 cinematography and everything else just reminds me of when I lived in Portland and used to, you know, go hiking and do all that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, the, yeah. the, yeah. the uh, you know, the, all, where it was always sort of raining or damp or wherever, and you're in the woods. Right, yeah. And, and so, yeah. and the, those uh, X-Files episodes came out, I think, when I was living, you know, in Portland at that time, because in yeah. the late 90s. So that's, that's I think, why I remember those. It's just this, the certain cinematography of it. That, yeah, that yeah. Me, but, hmm. Yeah, but... Uh, all right. I, I I think on the on the whole UFO thing, I think there was more interest and chatter about the story of the family that saw the ten foot aliens in their backyard. No, you're right. Than there was about 
the actual testimony from a, a, a so-called whistleblower. And the reason I say so-called whistleblower is because the media used that term. But in my, I don't know, for my definition, you're going to have to bring something, something tangible, at least one thing uh, to the claims you're making well, if you're going to testify. You know, and, and that's the thing about this, you because know, that's a great thing. Well, what's the definition of a whistleblower? Yeah, yeah. Well, when you look at the whistleblowers that have come forward, for example, use the IRS whistleblowers, well, they were part of the investigation. They right. knew what the evidence was. They had seen, you know, the evidence. They were directly related. This whistleblower was, people told me, people told me, people told me. Where's the evidence? Did you get any evidence? No. You have any pictures? No. You have anything? Mm-hmm. No. No. It's just what people have told me, and that's why I think that's sort of viewed as a, you know, supposed whistleblower. That's how I would look at yeah. it. Yeah. Because yeah. to me, a whistleblower is somebody who's been directly involved and has you know and has has seen it right yeah you know yeah. whereas yep. the um i'm trying to think the um the uh the uh, the the source the informant technically is not a whistleblower the informant that right that knew of the that that said uh, you know he knew of the bribe from Burisma and between the Biden family, well, he didn't come forward as a whistleblower. Right, 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 right. That's a that's a he source. Was not now, seeking, he was not seeking right. protection. But the FBI whistleblower knew about it. Yes. You know, right. So he he had met that particular, you know, source mm-hmm. and he was part of the he was part of the investigation and, and had seen the ten twenty three. Right on it, mm-hmm. so that that he had seen parts of the evidence, but this, from what we know, this guy never saw any evidence. It's what other people told him. Right. Right. So yeah, but yeah, there was there was buzz a little bit the day before. I think in anticipation, and, and, yeah, and then a little bit during the day, but then the Hunter Biden stuff broke. Right, and then they came out the other day that. <laughs> It's on social media like crazy. It's like Hunter Biden and all of a sudden, you know, Hunter Biden uh, plea deal and uh, plea deal gets rejected. And then there's that, like the person screaming below, bring on the aliens. Well, here's the thing. Then I, I did see this in a couple of cases, and I think it was more tongue in cheek than anything. There was no attention given to the UFO thing. And the whole Hunter thing was designed to collapse on that day to distract from the so-called UFO whistleblower. Oh, it's the opposite then. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. The opposite. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's how bad it is for the Bidens. Hunter's situation is a given. You don't need a distraction from it because everybody knows and you use it as a distraction for the UFO things. <laughs> That's how bad it is. Yeah. Wow. Um, if and and you said it a couple of times yesterday. Look, it's not. It's not of interest. Unless you, when the president of the United States shows up with an announcement about UFOs. And I don't necessarily mean this president. 
but any president is involved in it, then you'll know something is up. Yeah, but there didn't even seem any buzz there mm-hmm. uh, at all. I remember growing up in, in, in the 60s in Operation Blue Book. Right. And I remember some of the stories that were uh, were were written uh, on it. And uh, I remember the one book about the one people who claimed they were abducted. And I think it's the the family, the the researchers that did the conjuring that it actually wrote a book oh, on it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They actually wrote a book on it. And, right. And uh, I remember that book coming out and excerpts of that book being in the newspaper. And it was like, I mean, that was of when you're a kid, that's of real interest. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, well. And then I remember probably, you know, 14 or 15 years old, one time out at uh, at uh, uh, Boy Scout camp where I saw the aliens. No. Um, <laughs> a Boy Scout camp, we were looking up a campfire. We looked up, and you could see a satellite moving across. It was mm-hmm. definitely was a satellite. Mm-hmm. But it was like, I remember that. And then I remember my brother and I sitting outside our house, probably 14. Maybe we were older. I can't remember. But there was something that, you know, it looked – I. Couldn't tell what it was, mm. but it was silent. Yeah. And it was, you know, a couple of thousand feet in the air, and it was silent and went right over us. It's like, okay, do you know what that is? No. You scared? No. Probably some type of man-made aircraft, but didn't make any sound. You right. know, one of the interesting things that I did see one time that was mistaken, and this was just greatness. I mean, I thought this was one of the best things ever. These these people took uh, basically these plastic bags or whatever, and they put candles inside of them or whatever. They had flames inside of them, mm-hmm. and they would glow, and they mm-hmm. tied them together. And this thing would just, you know, there was, so there's probably like... It would float. Yeah, eight mm-hmm. or nine balloons. This thing would float, mm-hmm. and you would just see these lights, and it was totally yeah. silent, and the yeah. wind would bring it across, and people were like, oh, my God, it's a UFO! Yeah. It's making no sound! Yeah. It's a, it's and, a, I forget what they lantern something, I forget what they yeah. call it, but yeah. And somebody had tied this. This mm-hmm. goes back to the early 70s, too. I remember when that mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. And then somebody said, here's how you do that and scare the hell out of your neighbors. And yeah, it was right. showing you how to construct the plastic bag thing with the candles. Yeah. So it would go in the air. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, I just, I'll, I'll end up melting. I would thought about it as a kid going, well, I'd love to do that. But now nah, I'll probably just melt the plastic bags. It sounds, it sounds too tough to do. But apparently somebody did it, and it was yeah, I, caused a panic. I hesitate anything that involves me and flames. Flames and plastic. Uh, <laughs> since I uh, set my little evil Knievel action oh, yeah, figure yeah. on fire Christmas Day one year in San Antonio, launched it off the back porch, I thought, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not a flame expert, per se. And, <laughs> and after that, you were just on that projected path to becoming a conservative talk show host. Yes. I learned my lesson with fire. 86690 red eye. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at JJ Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on roadside inspections. At a roadside inspection, inspectors may ask to see supporting documents. A supporting document is a document generated or received by a motor carrier in the normal course of business that can be used by law enforcement to verify a driver's logs. These documents can include bills of lading, itineraries, schedules, or equivalent documents that indicate the origin and destination of each trip. They can also include dispatch or trip records, expense receipts related to on-duty slash not-driving periods, including receipts for meals, lodging, and fuel, 
electronic mobile communication transmitted through a fleet management system, and payroll records, settlement sheets, or equivalent documents that indicate payment to a driver. Drivers using paper logs must also keep toll receipts. Supporting documents must contain the driver's name, carrier-assigned identification number or vehicle unit number that can be linked to the driver, the date, the name of the nearest city, town, or village, and the time. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, you ready for this? Uh, Kareem Jean-Pierre yesterday being asked this question, okay? Because uh, I'd seen early when I woke up, Jonathan Turley was saying, okay, eh, don't be surprised if this happens. Hmm. <laughs> Joe Biden pardons his son and, <laughs> and then resigns. <laughs> and, uh, we and, we talked about it yesterday. Yes, we did. I, tongue-in-cheek, I asked the question, wow, if there were only someone that was – powerful enough to pardon him yep and uh and so the question came up i yesterday i okay to her you ready all right all let's right. let's hear it hey, let me go back to the first question of the briefing i know you said not a lot's changed since yesterday and that it's a personal matter but from a presidential perspective is there any possibility that the president would end up pardoning his son no no and then immediately said I mean, she was on the O part and her fingers in the air. Next question. Yeah, because he tried a follow-up and she interrupted. I said no. (laughs) And then, as you know, the Italian prime minister was in town in no press conference whatsoever. And, you know, the reporters, they're not stupid. Mm -hmm. You know, they know. Most of them. Hang on here because I'm having trouble uh, right. with the uh, with the audio here. Maybe we'll get to this following the bottom of the hour. Mm. But uh, it, uh... yeah, uh, no press conference. But how do you get through if he's going to run again? How do you get through an an entire election season by avoiding the media? I mean, it did work for him in 2020. But he had COVID behind him then. You don't have that now. Okay, I think I Jack. have it. I think I have it here. You ready? All right. All right, here we go. Okay. There is precedent for a joint press conference when uh, they come to the White House. That's happened under President Obama, President Trump. Is there something different here with this particular prime minister? No, nothing different here. I've, again, when we do uh, these bilateral visits, it's usually between uh, there's a diplomatic conversation uh, that happens with uh, our folks here. Blah, 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 No, everybody always does a uh, press conference. Of course. We know that. <laughs> Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. 
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. So we've uh, we've got we we analyze the situation that uh, you know from a lot of different perspectives of uh, the the Trump situation with uh, uh, you know more uh, charges coming down on him. Now let's look at what's going on with uh, with uh, uh, Joe Biden and Hunter Biden because Hunter Biden relates directly to Joe Biden. Uh, I. I uh, listened to Corinne Jean-Pierre yesterday, and she's just, you know, giving the anytime they ask about Hunter Biden, it's a personal thing. It's a personal thing. It's a personal thing. It's a personal thing. Then you get this one. This was Claire McCaskill yesterday. She's used this before, and she seems to be sticking with this. Nobody buys it. Nobody. Nobody buys this. But uh, here's Jen Psaki asking Claire McCaskill about the uh, the situation and the way also Republicans are uh, looking uh, at the entire Hunter and Joe Biden situation. Mm. What what accusations and arguments do you think they're going to make, given this didn't go exactly as planned today? Well, they're going to keep doing what they've been doing. Um, they are going to try to indict a father for loving his son who has been addicted to drugs and or alcohol. And without evidence... <laughs> I can't believe the Republicans are doing that. They're going after someone with an addiction. I can't believe they're so mean. This is a father's love for his son. She's still using that. And and then she said without any without any evidence. It's like, yeah. it's like come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know the funny thing is? Somebody pointed out the other day that uh uh, uh Schiff said that too. Yeah, and this is impeachment without evidence. Excuse me, you're, you're Adam Schiff. You lied. You lied about everything uh, about Trump. Yeah, consistently. I mean, you were yeah. a pathological liar. You lied yeah. to the American people about what the intelligence said about Donald Trump. I mean, it's just. Yeah. But he's. I mean, these are the things I find him humorous because they're so bizarre. Well, it's but. But it shows you how weak the defense of any of this is. Well, Claire McCaskill, you know, we go back to the 2018 ad where uh, she had the ad with two people talking. This was near the end of the campaign mm-hmm. when she was desperate. And so she said these two people, two guys are talking about why they're going to vote for Claire McCaskill. Well, you know, she, you know, Joe, she's not one of those crazy Democrats. Apparently, she was lying to you because with that statement yesterday, she is a crazy Democrat. Yeah, of course. And remember, she, as a Democrat, used the term crazy Democrat. So don't get upset at me. No, that's on her. Clara McCaskill used that. She's a Democrat. Use that in her ad to separate herself from the crazy Democrats. Yes. And now she has become one stating that Republicans are doing this because they just despise a father's love for his son. That's all this is. And it's so sad. He loves his son. Little Hunter. What about the granddaughter? He doesn't love the granddaughter. Gee, Pa, maybe one day I can be president. <laughs> no, you can't, Hunter, because you won't stop doing cocaine. <laughs> I go clean um, out your cubby hole in the White House. <laughs> <laughs> who leaves, seriously, who leaves cocaine in a cubby hole? Grow up, Hunter. 
Leave it in the Lincoln bedroom. Man, it's powder coke. Doesn't it lose its effectiveness in like twenty minutes? Don't you? Don't you? Does it? If you're snorting it, yeah. Oh, oh, you mean once you've ingested it? I thought you mean if you leave it laying around. No. (laughs) (laughs) You must keep it fresh in the refrigerator. Well, we. By the way, we were, I think, the first and maybe the only to defend Hunter on that front because it clearly can't be Hunter's because he never leaves any behind yes so we, uh, we defended it's not his yes we defended hunter all that of it his. was not his cocaine because he would have never a true coke addict never leaves that's cocaine right. behind all of his is gone even any he might or might not have just purchased is gone <laughs> leave it behind this is definitely a Friday. <laughs> no, it is definitely, definitely the Friday, Friday show. We're getting uh, punch drunk. Uh, let me see. It's uh, uh, a little over an hour. Uh huh. Should we start partaking now? Yes, yes, yes. In a nap? Yeah. Why not? That's <laughs> about it. That's, <laughs> I'm addicted to sleep. Got any? Got any beer? Yeah. No, I need. No, nah, beer doesn't. It's for gosh sakes! It's three forty in the morning Central Time. We need mimosas. <laughs> no, I was going to say tequila. <laughs> mimosas. I'll put orange juice in my booze. What are you doing? What are you also putting pineapple on the pizza? Stop this nonsense! <laughs> mimosa. It's on the plane last week, and somebody ordered a mimosa. And it really? was it was like one in the afternoon, and they were drinking mimosas. Just order a shot. What yeah. you? Why are you? Why are you messing with the orange juice? <laughs> oh, I also want to get in my vitamin C. You just want to pretend like you're not getting drunk. Just get drunk. What you? Wow, if you're I, drinking that early in the morning, I, I know. I, next time, I, next time I get upgraded to first class, I got to. Do they have like hard shots? I've never thought about that. Actually, actually. I, when I was, <laughs> I never thought I was about saying that. it. I was wondering that myself. Yeah. I don't. I well. They do because they do. They still have the little bottles. I haven't seen anybody oh, yeah, order okay. yeah. one in a while. Yes. Now they, remember, yes. they had quit serving alcohol for a while. No, no, it's it's back. Is it back? Oh okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, so it's back. So you can. All right, so you get the the oh, bottle of whatever you order, and then actually, just down somebody it. in coach last uh, was it last week? Mm. I've been flying so much. Maybe it was the time before. Mm-hmm. But I, I was in. I, I I had to sit back with the cattle. And um, <laughs> with the normal people, one of one of the bull, regular people, one of the bulls. <laughs> yeah, man, it, this, this guy said it, it feels like poverty back here. He, he said, can I have now uh, well, we were in the exit row seat, which has more leg room than than uh, than first. I fly it feels in. like roomy poverty back here. <laughs> <laughs> but some guy, he ordered it and then he you know pulled out his his credit card. Mm. So he was paying for it, but he got two bottles. Oh, he ordered a double then. Yeah, I didn't hear him order a, a double. I just saw. I guess her, that's a double. Yeah, they, I just they, I just saw her give you know two bottles to the. Maybe she saw the look the on his face. And, oh, he needs now two. I know I know that you can get. They have the bottle, so I guess they have the shots. If you what, what shots was he, of vodka, what was he uh, drinking? I, do you remember? No, I have no idea what it was. I don't know. No, and, and I know uh, I've seen people order. Uh, what is it? Not Kahlua. What's the other? St- oh, Bailey's. Bailey's and coffee in the morning. Yeah. You know, that, but I don't know. And I know they've got vodka, but do they have, like, what I'm talking about is the shot shots. Like, do, can you get Jägermeister? Uh, I think you can get, like, 
Jack Daniels, right? Whiskey? Yeah, can you, you can drink get, whiskey oh, you and can get, Coke? Yes, you can get all So yes, you can do a shot of, of whiskey. But I mean, like the... the to, like, yeah, tequila would be the, a shot drink. I mean, a lot of people do margaritas, I don't, but I don't mess with the middle stuff. If I, I don't even know. If I don't do, drink, yeah. but if if I were going to drink, I'm going to get to the point. <laughs> I'm going to get to oh. the point, you know? I mean, I don't, I don't want the sugar. All right. <laughs> it's bad for you. So... <laughs> <laughs> That's why I don't drink heavily on a plane. Too many carbs. Yeah, I yeah, I've I've never had alcohol on a plane. Plus wanting to get thrown off. Yeah. Uh made me think of something. Hmm. This got my you want to talk about since since we've talked about everybody's high, you want to talk about a natural high. Hmm. So I actually was videoing it from my my buddy Jerry. Uh, you know, for him I'm like, uh eh, because he was like because uh, I got I get the free Wi-Fi because of T-Mobile, which, by the way, is the best. Mm-hmm. Forget about alcohol on the plane. Mm-hmm. Free Wi-Fi is it for me. Yeah, I love I mean, it. That's just an, I'm T-Mobile. And now all of the, is every single one, even the, because there were a couple of systems of Wi-Fi in America that didn't take T-Mobile. Now they all do. Yeah. And it's yeah. great. Yeah. So it. I'm like, okay, let me just send him, send him a message on WhatsApp. So I'm saying, okay, here we are getting ready to land, mm-hmm. getting ready to land. Oh boy, we're not landing. Oh boy, we're going up. Oh, <laughs> and we went up and around. We we're landing. On, aborted we're, the landing. Aborted the landing because and, of the wind. Uh, because or of the, the because of the turbulence. When they were bringing in the turbulence, got real, and it was a beautiful, sunshiny day. Yeah, but sometimes yeah. you can have it because there's oh, so sure. much heat. Yeah, and so what? It, the turbulence was really low, and if it, the pilot explained, he goes, "No big deal," but the turbulence was hitting us so low that you don't take the chance that the plane's going to be unstable at sure. at, at, at that low. So they came up and I mean they came up and around and then that's where you know when you take off hmm. you know you you go down the runway and you take off and everything else but where I've always known cuz it's the second time I've been in a boarded takeoff. The other time was in Portland, Oregon one time landing at night and the other plane was still on the runway. Yeah. And those are the two times. Now, I've flown in, in, the F, in, in the F-16 with the Thunderbirds. And, I mean, that's just mind-boggling. But when you see, you're one of, and I was in an A321 you know, Airbus, which is pretty big, probably mm-hmm. fits about 150 people. Mm-hmm. That thing took, I mean, it first gently went off, and then it took an angle up. And you could feel the power of those jet engines. It was yeah. just, whoa, sure. I can't yeah. believe we're going up at this angle. And they're accelerating that fat. You could feel it now, whether it was, I don't know, two G's or something. But it was like, whoa, this mm. is. And he just, they went around and came back again and and uh, and landed. And the pilot was like, that's eh, no big deal. It's just, you know, we got to, when that happens, we have to go back. Now, and the turbulence was all the way coming down was really, it was bad. Yeah. And then we got low, it was bad. I go, I don't think I've ever seen turbulence, you know, this, or felt turbulence this hard, this low. And then I realized, you're not landing. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, that must have looked, that must freak out people, because you can see from the terminals, you can see that runway clearly. I mentioned right. people sitting there going, right. what's going on there? And then yeah. that plane just banking and going right up. And then I'm thinking... It's DFW where there's planes everywhere. And it's like, oh, yeah. it's going up and around. This isn't like we're in a yeah, that, airport. That, I'm looking around for other planes. One of these planes is not like the other. Yeah. But I realized at, once we leveled off, I realized my heart was beating like crazy. Most of the people, if you see, I fly in a plane now. Most of the people don't have their windows open. 
Right. I really don't know right. what's going on. Right, right. And I just happened to open up the window to take the video, and I took it, and my buddy Jerry said, I said, this is happening live, and then I sent it to him right there. Wow. He said, this is going on. I go, yeah, we're coming around again for another one, and then we landed fine the next yeah, time. Yeah. But- By the way, um, something that if you're on the Wi-Fi on the plane or Wi-Fi anywhere and you don't have, you know, obviously on the plane, you can't turn on your cell service. Uh, if you turn on Wi-Fi calling, you can send regular text messages. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, that's something that because I used to back in the day uh, over Wi-Fi, I would just send a, a, like a direct message on social or something to somebody if I needed to update something. Uh, but if you turn on Wi-Fi calling, you can actually send a text message. Now, they when I got my new phone, the guy told me, he said, well, you know, sometimes you can get through on Wi-Fi calling. I got through to my father once about a year ago. Oh, on calling? On calling, and I actually got through. My father picked up the phone, then it clicks off. Yeah, I've never used so, it for calling, yeah, actually. I was but, on the plane yeah. and, and, Interesting. and tried calling my dad twice last week, but it didn't go through. And yeah. then I tried calling him a bunch of times, and it just hung up. And then... When I got there, my sister said, did you try to call us about 10 times this afternoon? Because it kept hanging up. I'm like, Uh-oh. Yeah, my, uh, yeah, that was me. My uh, four, four of my granddaughters uh, made a trip to Columbia last year, and they were not going to have cell service down there. But they would have Wi-Fi in most every building that they were in. And so they used the, that feature to send text messages, and they were able to keep in touch with family back here. But the whole concept is we started this as everybody drinking with the analysis on Biden. We'll get to more of that coming yeah, up. Exactly. Eight six six ninety red eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Yeah, so the thing that uh, I wonder is, you know, where is this going to go? The the Korean uh, <laughs> Jean-Pierre can't answer 90% of the questions. Yeah. And right. it's just, it's getting to be really interesting because then you have today and what may come out today. Mm. Look, one of the things that came out yesterday is that they, you know, uh, they're catching the administration now in two lies. The one that their message has always been the same when obviously they're no longer saying that the president didn't know anything about his son's business dealings or saying he never did business with his sons. And we've been consistent on that. Well, that's a lie. That is a and lie. The other yeah. thing, the other lie that came out that Biden said is no, nobody in his family ever made money from any place in China. Uh. And Hunter Biden admitted before the judge, he made over 600,000 from one company in China. Right. And I'm like, whoa. And so it just get, and that was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you just, these, it just keeps building up. Then who knows what may they may come out with uh, today? I know they've added the number. I did see this from Comer yesterday. It's now well, the number was like 150 something SARS. Now it's like over 170. And I noticed that yesterday when he said mm. 170 uh, something. And then you've got on Monday, Devin Archer is going to be testifying that uh, Joe Biden actually was put on the phone and talked to many of the people that gave Hunter money. Yeah. And the plea deal is still up in the air. Yeah. Wow. Wow. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. 
Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? Can <laughs> you pay me more? Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.